0: We're looking at the word today, and uh, if you'd like to turn your Bibles today, we're we're looking at First uh, um, Timothy chapter two, verses one to eight. That's where we're going to be today, and uh, I'm going to talk to you about how do you prepare for intercession. Preparing for intercession. I think uh, it's good to be back today, been, you know, it's been about three weeks since I've been in the pulpit, so it's just good to be back to talk to you today about the Word and preach the Word today with you. appreciate Pastor Tom and Mick uh, filling in for me the last couple of weeks, I really appreciate that. First Timothy, let's go ahead and read here, chapter 2, verses 1 to 8, as we as just prepare, how do we prepare for intercession? And In fact, that very word a lot of times scares us as we think about how do we as Christians intercede for other people. Timothy uh, is, is uh, or Paul is telling Tim, Timothy here, in fact, uh, Timothy was a pastor uh, in the church of Ephesus, and he's been giving him guidelines in 1 Timothy as well as uh, Second. Timothy. Timothy and he says here in 2nd Timothy at 1st Timothy chapter 2 he says I urge you then first of all that petitions and prayers intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is none, or there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And for this purpose I was appointed a herald and an apostle, and I am telling the truth, I am not lying, and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. Therefore I want Men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. Father, I ask you today that as we look at your word, that your spirit will give us uh, ease, that you will ease the way for the truth to come into our hearts. Lord, that you will uh, again help us to listen today to the, the pleading of your of your spirit, and wanting the best and the goodness of God to come into our lives. Father, there are so many things that we, we need to understand about you. There are so many needs in people's lives uh, outside of us, our neighbors, well, our families. Are so many things that are necessary. Lord, we, have, we have loved ones who are unsaved, people who are really close to us, people we really cherish. It might be a son-in-law or it might be a daughter-in-law. It might be a son or daughter. It might be a, might be a, a brother or, or a sister. Or it could be a mom or dad, a grandma or grandpa. Or it could be a friend. Father, we, there's just so many things that you want to give us, show us in your kindness and in your, in, your, in your goodness. I pray we'll be able to listen. And we'll be able, and not only listen, but there'll be a longing in our hearts to grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My, my hope, uh, loved ones, in this series on prayer, this long series on prayer, has actually been a good experience for me. I hope it's been for you. It's been my prayer that it has been. One of my, uh, the passion that I've had in this series has been to break down barriers that have persisted over the years to separate you from a meaningful an effective prayer relationship with your Heavenly Father. That's really been the passion of my heart. The Lord help me to understand. Help me to understand what are the roadblocks that people have. Um, and of course, I've, I've preached out of my own experience, my own uh, frustrations with, with prayer. But um, the, the necessity uh, of learning to pray just isn't meeting a, a spiritual requirement. It's an essential in transforming you more into the likeness of Jesus's character. That unless you learn to pray, and again, it's 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 an ongoing experience. Then um, prayer is one aspect of learning how to become more like Christ. I mean, His Word, of course, is is the other aspect. But prayer is so essential that we learn how to pray. Yes, you know, some, and it, I'm not and we shouldn't evaluate. Again, we don't evaluate ourselves by looking at others. That's not, you know, the Lord doesn't want us to do that. Don't try to judge your prayer life on what's, how somebody else is praying. It's, God wants you just to begin learning where you're at, where, where you're at, and learn to pray uh, in your out of your unique personality. Learn how to know Him. Learn how to have a relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus. My hope is that you will see that your Heavenly Father will use prayer to really mold you into a meaningful person. You will, you will, he will help you to not waste your life on things that are silly or things that are the wrong, going the wrong direction. Prayer helps us. I mean, again, as we undergird it with the Word of God. But we have looked extensively at the Lord's Prayer a few weeks ago where Jesus gave, gave us this general pattern for meaningful prayer. I hope you've memorized it. I hope it's been a helpful guide to you, those five, five different categories of how to pray. You might think, "Oh, PD, that gets boring." No, it doesn't. Everything that is meaningful seems boring at times. Everything that is meaningful seems dull or or mundane. I promise you, if you go ahead and practice what is mundane, pretty soon you'll it'll kick in to show you that, "Wow, this is what this is what life's made of. This is what spiritual life's made of." Is what Jesus taught us. Amen. Um, we looked at that and that. His prayer pattern showed us that if we would just begin practicing it consistently, remember, God's person, God's program, you know, uh, our, our, our provisions, our spiritual needs, our protection, you know, those, those five different categories, our spiritual protection. If we just begin practicing, practicing that, um, we, would, we would actually find the Holy Spirit begin to educate us in how to pray for different situations. As we begin to just say, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea, so I'm just going to take a stab at it. I'm going to my get do the best I can. And it's like riding a bicycle. The first time you start it, <laughs> you, you didn't you did not fall down. You know what I mean? You, I don't know anyone that took off on a bike perfectly the first time. You know, they, they there's a few scrapes in there there's a few tumbles and you lose your balance and that's the way it is in prayer it's a, It's a learning experience you just you just learn better how to do it as you as you practice it um, you know that's it's just that's uh that's how it works that's how growth that's how growth works. The Holy Spirit wants to educate us and expand our practical understanding of how we can use prayer listen to this to lift up every need you have. And not only your needs, but to lift up the needs of people around you who have, you know, who need your prayers. Yeah, that um, there's nothing that can't be prayed about that the Father Father wants to listen to us. I mean, he wants to hear us and God can intervene. I tell you, the Holy Spirit is so gentle. He is so kind and patient. He's such a good teacher. He's just looking for a willing disciple. That's why he's looking for if you if you go ahead and take a stab at it, he's just looking for someone he can train and teach. And even when you get frustrated and think you're going nowhere, just push through, and just push on through. It's just kind of like you know, you ever had those times when maybe you're, you know, you're you're trying to train train for an event, and maybe you're maybe you're hiking or running, and all of a sudden you just get overwhelmingly hungry. Like, man, I don't think I can go on. I'm so hungry. And you just thought, now wait a minute. I know I'm not going to die here. Push through. Push through to something that you don't know. Uh, to, a, to a strength that you haven't come to yet. You haven't mastered yet. And um, that's, what, that's how spiritual growth is too. You know, the devil defeats us so many times because we get discouraged and we just quit. No, just be, you know, have some guts, some spiritual guts, and just go ahead and push on. Show, show the devil you mean business. And... Um, You'll find the Holy Spirit right there, helping you to have a breakthrough. Jesus taught us uh, to first, first of all, to address God. Remember, as Father, He tried to show us how wonderful the Heavenly Father is. Remember those two illustrations He gave us about the sleepy neighbor and the unjust judge. But God is not like those people. That He's He's willing to hear you quickly and get up and help, and and He listens. But He, the Lord, taught us to first address. God as your Heavenly Father. Focus on His person. Worship Him with praise. Maybe you heard about this. Maybe I I watch Jeopardy once a week. It's with my dad. It's on Thursday night. It's the only time I watch Jeopardy. But apparently last Monday night, a week ago, tomorrow, uh, there was a Bible question on Jeopardy. Maybe some of you saw it. But the question was, finish this. Finish this sentence. Our Father who art in heaven, blank, be your name. Three brilliant jeopardy contestants who' are supposed to be so smart, stood there blank. You, you know the answer. What is it? It's, you know, it, Hallowed. Hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. Well, we're truly in a secular society now. We're in a pagan society that when, you know, uh, uh, something like Jeopardy, who was supposed to have really smart people on there, didn't even know the first sentence of the Lord's prayer, huh? Well. The, uh, the psalmist informs us how to think about beginning to worship God. How do we, you know, I, I still get lost in the thing. I know we're supposed to focus on God's person, but how, how do we do it? The, the, the psalmist informs us about how to think about beginning to worship God. Beginning. You're wanting to worship God, so it gives us some ideas. It, it, there's something here. We need to be, this, these are some pointers about how to begin to worship Him. To, to enter into His gates. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and praise. Psalm 100 verses 4 to 5. Let me read it to you. It says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good, his loving kindness everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. So as you begin prayer, realize you're entering through his gates the gates of his throne room, into his courts. His courts, when they talk about courts, it means his courts of governance. You know, God governs the universe. You're coming to the, to the one, and he's your heavenly father, but you're coming, you're coming to the king of all kings. You're coming to the one who created the universe, the one who knows all the nations. He knows your neighbor's problems. He knows your family issues. He's the one with the supreme authority. He's the almighty one, right? So he is superior. He is supreme as we get, begin praying, we're coming into His throne room. Think about that. You are coming before God, again, dear, the God of the universe, your Heavenly Father, where, where you are welcome because you're in Jesus Christ, because you have, you're, you're covered with His blood. You belong to Him. You are God's child. And you're, come, you're welcome to make your requests known. Philippians 4, 6-7. Paul says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And he says, The peace of God then will surpass, that surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Immediately before we realize it. If you do that, immediately before you realize it. You know, as we as we lift up our thanks and request to God, I'm not kidding you. He will strengthen you. You just you're you're going to find strength. He will strengthen you, and His peace calms you down and it guards you. It's here's a helpful way to begin prayer. Here's a helpful way. Think of the word praise. Think of the word praise. Okay, you know how to spell praise. It's P R A. I, S, E, Okay, right? Praise. P-R-A-I-S-E. Now think about that word and think about each letter of the word praise. We're going to make an acronym. We're going to make an acronym that will help us to, to will guide us in how we even approach God, how we approach Him, how we begin our prayer time. So think of this acronym of praise. Think of yourself as coming through your Heavenly Father's gates into His courts, and what do you do? The first letter is P. You present yourself. You present yourself. Lord, Father, I'm here. <laughs> See, that's pretty simple, PD. Oh, it's powerful. <laughs> Try it. It's so, it's so meaningful. Father, I'm here this morning. I'm here this afternoon. I'm here this evening. Whenever you're praying. You present yourself to Him. Father, it's me. And uh, you come respectfully. You come with a surrendered, humble heart, a humble surrender. Think of the letter R. As And this is going to be hard for some of us, but to raise your hand. Again, you're all alone, so it doesn't matter. No one's watching you. Raise your hand. Maybe your hands if you want to. But raise your hand in acknowledgement that He is worthy. You're worthy. Oh God, you are worthy. I acknowledge you that you're worthy. You're holy. You're full of goodness, and you're above all things. Raising your hand is kind of the way, it's in a some in some ways it's kind of like a salute. You know. I acknowledge your authority, God. I acknowledge you. You know. The apostle Paul says that, you know, there's a this place in scripture here that, that we're instructed to raise our hands to God. Um, it's interesting. There's there's only we're never instructed in the Bible to raise our hands <clears throat> during the singing. There's just no place in the Bible that says, so when you sing, raise your hands to God. There's nothing wrong with that. I I do it because sometimes I just want to acknowledge when I'm singing the song, sometimes I just want to say, God, that is my testimony. <laughs> I believe that, and I raise my hand, I want to express myself as part of my faith. I want to physically express myself that I believe what that that song is saying, and that's my testimony, Lord, of what it says. We're never instructed in Scripture to do that, but there's nothing wrong with it at all. The only place where we're talking talks about raising our hands when it comes to comes to uh, some sort of spiritual activity um, well we're raised, we we also raise our hands when we're you know pronouncing blessings on people but this is those one times in prayer where Paul says that I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands and listen to this without anger or disputing or without wrath or without conflict and here is here's how we can think about that <clears throat> when I was a boy there'd be times when I had to present myself to my mother before we would go to a restaurant or we were going someplace important and one of the things that we had to do when, again this when I was a boy is that she wanted to see my hands said David let me see your hands and I'd show her front and, you know the, the tops and the back you know the my palms. There would be sometimes she might say, "David, your hands are dirty. Go, go wash your hands." You know, she. I didn't pass inspection. In the Bible, the hand represents our human behavior. It's our behavior. Are you listening? Paul says, "I." He said you would lift up holy hands. Oh, no, he said holy hands. It's kind of inspection time in a sense. Lord, I've come into your presence and I examine, examine me. I surrender myself. Examine me, Father. Is there anything wrong today? Is there, Lord, oh, yeah. uh, Am I good with everybody? As best I can. Is there a conflict I haven't settled? Because it talks, there's a relation here. Of course, it's talk, we holy hands deal with, of course, our, our behavior and things that we might, and sins we might have committed or accidentally or maybe even on purpose. But also, it has to do with relationships because Paul says to do it without disputing or conflicts. Before you can come into God's presence, and worship him and experience prayer like God wants you to you first have to present yourself surrender yourself but also lift up holy hands and say Lord examine me am I am I worthy here to be in your presence you know is there something I need to do is there something I need to surrender in my heart uh, is, am I having problems with somebody you know um, this is um, am I pleasing in your sight Um, You know, I long to please you, so is there something that I need to... Is there some fault? Is there a wrong? Is there sin? Again, particularly, is there a conflict with somebody? We need to resolve that wrong to the best of our ability, loved ones, then. We need to take care of that as soon as we possibly can. You know, Paul he emphasized that lifting holy hands meant without anger, without wrath, with others. So this is important. And Jesus emphasized this point, too, in Matthew 5 and also Matthew 18, where he actually said it this way. He said, if you're presenting your gift of worship at the altar before the Lord and you remember that somebody has something against you, leave your gift and go and settle that conflict first. Jesus, that's straight from the Lord. He says, that's what you should do. He said, there's times if you know that you need to forgive someone or that you need to be forgiven, that that's really, really important in having, the, uh, making a connection with the Lord. It really is. I know some people blow this off. They say, oh, that happened 20 years ago. Yeah, I still remember it and everything. And I still even talk about it behind their back. But uh, everything's okay. No, it's not okay. If you've got a problem with somebody, if it's if it's not, you know, if it's big enough where you need to go talk to him, then go talk to him. But if it's big not, not that big a deal, then forget it, get rid of it. You know, be done with it so that you can have a connection with God because that is a hindrance to you having a relationship with Jesus. It really is. Jesus emphasizes it over and over and over again about the necessity to forgive people when they have wronged us. To be reconciled to your neighbor and brother. Loved ones, unsolved conflict on our part is such a hindrance to a meaningful connection to God and and it squelches His moving in in, in your life and in, in the life of the church. I, I believe it. I, do, I hear about more revival coming when people start confessing their animosity toward one another or problems that they've had with other people. And when they confess those things, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit comes in a cleansing way in our life. Um, folks, who, uh, you know, when you allow animosity in your heart uh, toward someone else, you really restrict. Would you say that word with me? Restrict. You really restrict uh, God's grace in your life—the marvelous things—and let let me tell you something, God, He moves in our lives in three ways. He He does. He moves in three ways. It's kind of a trinitarian way, if you will. That when the things of God come to us, well, first of all, they come to us, to to us. The truth of God comes to us. It comes to our understanding, and then if we accept it, it works in us. To us, in us, and then lastly, through us, it does. And when you say, when you re, when you say no, or when you say you don't deal with these these things, it just blocks. I mean, he's trying to get to you. He's doing the two part, but nothing's happening in you. Nothing's working in you. And so therefore, it can't work out of you to bless somebody else or to be, bring comfort and blessing and God's grace to somebody else's life because you've blocked it. In America, you know, we have such individualism, thinking that life just revolves around us. But we can, you know, we can be healthy, we can be wholesome without the help of others or, or the lives of others have no bearing on our well-being. But Jesus over and over again taught us that that is a lie. You can, you can live life, you, I should say you cannot live life like an island. You weren't created that way. You, you find joy and help and completion in loving relationship with others. And Jesus, again, teaches that in the entire New Testament, teaches that emphatically. Uh, that we need to do that. And in fact, that was the fourth part of the Lord's prayer: "And forgive us our debts, forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass or have debts against us." Corey Ten Boom, and let me try to close with this story about Corey today. Corrie ten Boom, who was persecuted by the Nazis in World War II in Ravensbrück, Germany. Uh, it was a concentration camp. Some of you know her story very well, where her dear sister Betsy was killed because of the mistreatment of the Nazis. She had to learn from God how to forgive her enemies, okay? Um, how to forgive her enemies. And in her own strength, she said, I, I couldn't do it. But she said, I found out that as I, in, that I just simply, as I obeyed God, as I said, okay, I will, I will do it, Lord. I will, I will forgive these Nazis. And um, she said, suddenly the power of the Lord, the enabling power, uh, worked in her. The truth came to her. Then the, as she obeyed, the power worked in her. And then she was, it flowed out of her, offering forgiveness to a Nazi sergeant who was listening to her lecture who had been one who had persecuted her sister Betsy. So she had learned that uh, about, you know, how to forgive her enemies. She was released in December 1944, and the, the decades afterwards, she worked, actually. Uh, she some Well, she was working with mistreated um, uh, uh, concentration camp prisoners. You know. you know, she was trying to help them. And... Um, she had partners in that ministry after she was released from prison, and sometimes those partners and supporters, those co-workers, they cheated her. These are fellow workers, fellow Christians, who cheated her, and they withheld financial support from her, from her lecture fees, and um, that has a bearing upon something Corey was going to learn from the Lord about forgiveness. Um, Corey learned that. God's gifts are not permanent. That they require us to receiving them on a daily basis. Grace comes on a daily basis. Faith never just gets something once and for all. and then, But it, it requires a continual activity in our life. Elizabeth Sherrill tells about a day that she and her husband John, you might remember those authors, they wrote... Um, um, uh, the cross and a switchblade. The switch uh, they, God Smuggler. Are some of those books that they that they helped to write. Well, they helped to write the hiding place too. Uh, Corey's story. She says this. She says that um, uh, I was. We were with uh, John and I. We were with Corey one day in Holland when some old friends, old friends, um, came over for a visit. Uh, we had a chance to to watch her draw on a fresh supply of God's grace. We were staying with her in Holland sometime after the hiding place was published and again, when some of these old friends came over for coffee, we knew some of her history with these people. Once trusted co-workers, they had cheated her out of lecture fees that she counted on for her work with concentration camp victims. And because they practiced the deception with smiles, she said, because they practiced this deception with smiles, Corrie found it even harder to forgive them than the brutal Nazi guards at Ravensbrück. But, but she'd done it at last, she said, I, I finally have forgiven them, she said, happily. You know, when we forgive others, she liked to say, God forgives our sins and throws them into the deepest part of the ocean. That's what Corrie used to say. When we forgive others, God then forgives our sins and throws them into the deepest part of the ocean. This was a pleasant party with these old associates seated in the glow of Corey's coal-burning grate. Hard feelings on her part and guilt on the friend's side no, nowhere was in evidence. Obviously, John said, um, as we cleared away the dishes after they had left, obviously, Corey, they've accepted your forgiveness. Corey shook her head. No. They say there's nothing to forgive. They even deny that they ever cheated me but I can prove it. She ran to her desk and rummaged in the bottom drawer. I have it all down here on paper in black and white. She straightened up triumphantly holding a a sheath of papers. Gently, John, Cheryl, took the papers from her hand. Corey, he said, Aren't you the one whose sins are at the bottom of the sea and you keep the sins of your friends on record in black and white?" I watched realization, then dismay, then shame play one by one across Corey's stricken face. Her eyes brimming with tears, she spoke, not to us. I think at that moment I'm sure she'd forgotten we were even there. But she spoke to God, Lord Jesus, who takes all my sins away. Forgive me for preserving all these years the evidence against others. And for a few hallowed minutes, the three of us fed pieces of paper into Corey's coal fire. flood tells a story in the last days of Lee, General Robert E. Lee. He gives the account of how when Robert E. Lee was visiting a a lady in Kentucky who took him to the remains of a grand old tree that used to stand or that was still there but it was damaged terribly in front of her house. She bitterly cried that the trunk and the limbs had been destroyed by the federal artillery fire. She looked at General Lee hoping for a word condemning the North. Or at least sympathizing with her for, for the loss. And after a brief silence, Lee said, Cut it down, my dear madam, and forget it. It's better to forgive the injustices of the past than to allow them to remain. When bitterness takes root, it will poison the rest of your life. Let all the resentments go. And that's what we have to do, folks, by trusting Christ. He'll enable you and then stop, he'll help you, and, and he'll help you to stop holding those things against your brother or your sister, and you'll find a new power come into your life. And that's how we're going to finish this praise real quickly. That as we lift up holy hands, P-R and A, which is the word and, as we lift up holy hands, raise up holy hands, and we invite, or we invoke, we invite God to work in us. We invite Him to work in us. Oh, Lord, work in us. Give me your grace today. Help me to pray. Help me to think your thoughts. I invite you to come into me now. Refresh me. And then if if, if, if it's appropriate, S stands for sing. Sing a song that's in your heart to Him. You ever sing to God? Sing a song to Him. And as you finish your song, enter into... Praying for others. And that is how we're going to end today. We're going to focus next week on God's program. How do we intercede? What does that really mean? How can we picture ourselves praying for the lost? Praying for a change in Mount Hope. Praying for a change in our family. Praying for a change in our marriage. Praying for a change in our family. How can we picture that? How does the scriptures give us understanding about how to see God begin working in those situations as we intercede as we intercede Lord as we leave today thank you for the kind attention of your people thank you for giving us this under this uh, tool of just uh, from your word that that uh, tells us to to enter your gates enter your courts with praise and thanksgiving we want to we want to just uh, Lord Do everything that your word is revealing to us to do. If we have forgiveness, if we need to forgive someone or if we need to go to them for forgiveness, we need to stop talking about the offenses of someone against us or that something happened years ago that they did or we did. We need to burn it in that fire like Corey did, Lord, so that we might continue down this journey, this road of experiencing more of the connection with you in prayer. Lord, it's so crucial we take this step or we'll never take the steps that are necessary to make that connection that someone so desperately needs us to take for their sakes, for their spiritual sakes. In Jesus' name we pray you'll help us to humble ourselves and obey in Jesus' name, amen.